if you have a bad sequence of returns those first few years, it's like kind of chopping one of your legs out from underneath you from the get-go, and then you're playing catch-up the whole time, which is a dangerous thing to do in retirement when you have no income coming in anymore. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the wind-up and the delivery. Glad to have you on Perfect Game Retirement. This podcast goes through all kinds of financial planning, retirement planning, social security, all aspects of the planning process. And today we've got a good show. We're going to dive into some obsolete planning ideas, some things that maybe we're good at one point, maybe we're used and very valuable at one point, maybe kind of faded out and don't make a whole lot of sense in this day and age. And you know things are always changing as we've seen in 2020. So we're going to run through five different obsolete ideas and let Ryan kind of explain why you might not want to follow these these outdated items any longer. So let me welcome in Ryan Ledney as the president and financial coach of Black Oak Asset Management. Ryan, how are you doing, man? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, family's doing well. We're in school and in nice. person. Our, our county has the option of, of doing that. So knock on wood, it's it's been pretty successful. I'm glad to, glad the kids are back in school and they enjoy it. Yeah. How, how are the kids getting back there? Were they pretty excited to, to not be in front of the computer and to actually see their friends again? Yeah, I mean they had they had cabin fever like most most kids do, but they're both of my kids are very sociable, so it's uh, they they needed the environment of having others around them. <laughs> I got you. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad things are going smooth and uh, looking forward to hopefully other people being able to have their kids back in in school and and that in person and everything kind of opening up. I know George has kind of been ahead of that for the most part, and uh, glad things are going well though for you. Uh, there's a couple things I want to get to today too outside of our main topic. Ryan. And the first thing is uh, this headline in the news on taxes. And there's a lot of tax news, you know, especially with, with the way uh, we are in terms of the debt, the national debt, the spending and, you know, inflation concerns. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. And, and one of the latest uh, bit of news in, in terms of taxes is Trump says he wants to reduce capital gains taxes if he gets elected to a second term. Is that something that's very helpful in your opinion? Kind of break that down for me. Well, anytime there is an announcement of some type of tax change, uh, selfishly, what I do for a living, again, we're not CPAs, but we definitely plan around what taxation looks like because that's a big part of the planning process. I mean, it opens up a window of opportunity uh, for the people that we do work with or maybe some of the people we don't work with. Uh, But him announcing that, you know, there's obviously with politics and my clients know this, who, who, um, who I talk to, I, I'm not a big politics guy. It's so polarizing on, on, on really both sides, but obviously economics is a big component uh, of that. And so when you have Trump saying one thing about the reduction of capital gains tax, well, you know, it depends on what side of the political spectrum you're on. Some people are like, awesome, let's do that. And then some say, well, no, because capital gains is a tax on the quote unquote rich, uh, which I cannot stand those terms, you know, middle class, rich. It's just just all relative. And I mean, it depends on where you live in the country and and how you've been invested and if you've received inheritance. I mean, there's so many caveats to judge a book by its cover. It's just not fair. But also too, Biden has been running on a platform uh, that he wants to increase the capital gains rates uh, amongst other things. But again, obviously, that's a proposal and so is so is Trump really but obviously his has a little bit more clout because he he is actually in office and we'll find out soon who will be 
in that office, but it's always a, a planning opportunity, whether it increases or uh, decreases. And so trying to get ahead of that and at least talking to people of what Trump's proposal could look like for planning opportunities and what uh, Vice President Joe Biden's um, proposal looks like as as well. So there's always a planning opportunity. Could it be helpful? Sure. I mean, especially in this environment that we're in right now, there's a lot of people who are hurting. Uh, there are obviously some that have uh, flourished uh, during this time period, but that may be something where if, if people are in financial hardships and they need to liquidate some of the assets and if those capital gains rates are lower, um, if not even zero, then, then it definitely could help help people out in the situation that we're in now in 2020. Now, I understand capital gains in terms of like if I, you know, if I buy stocks and sell stocks, I'm paying that and there's a lot of different capital gains. Does that, is that the same thing in terms of retirement accounts? So like in your IRA, when you pull that money out eventually, are those capital gains that you're paying taxes on would that impact your retirement accounts? That's a good question because that, that can get confusing. And so capital gains uh, is usually going to focus on your non-retirement accounts. Okay. So if it's in an IRA or a Roth, those are sheltered. I mean, those are those are the shell of the account and the investments are obviously inside of it. So those are, for a Roth, they are protected from taxes and then taxes move forward. IRA is all just tax deferred, but it's going to be taxed at ordinary income as you pull it out. So that's a good question. It's going to be those those joint accounts or those brokerage accounts that are more liquid than our retirement accounts, but you can still invest as conservatively or as aggressively as you want. But those are taxed at capital gains when you do liquidate those those holdings. And then there's a confusing part where there's short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains. Mm-hmm. Well, short-term capital gains is um, is a code word for ordinary income tax, uh, and that's that can be very confusing for people. So, if you hold an investment less than one year, you pay short-term capital gains, but that's going to be taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Versus, if you hold an investment longer than one year, a year and a day, if you want, um, it's going to be taxed at long-term capital gains, which is either zero percent, depending on what tax bracket you're in, fifteen percent or even 20%, but capital gains, long-term capital gains rates are always lower, or at least have been lower than your ordinary income tax rate. Okay. Thanks for that explanation. And look, if you want to talk to Ryan about this topic and how it affects you, as he said, it's a planning opportunity when, when things change, either, you know, if it's Biden or Trump, whoever it is, whenever those tax changes are made. It's a chance to sit down with a professional, figure out how that affects you, what you need to do long-term. So reach out to Ryan, blackoakam.com is the website. Number is 470-508-0508. You can get in touch with him, sit down and start that uh, that conversation and figure out what it means for you specifically. So let's jump into our, our main topic today. It's obsolete retirement planning ideas and you know things get outdated. I mean, it's just the that's just how life is, right? I mean, something that worked 15, 20 years ago, 40 years ago for your parents, whoever it is, doesn't necessarily work for you. And there's a number of rules now that I think made a lot of sense at one time, but now probably just don't add up in terms of your planning. So got five things we want to run through today. Let's start off with the four percent rule. You know, the idea that you could take 4% out of your portfolio each year without run, worrying about running out of money. Is that still applicable today? Uh, you know, here, here goes. It, it depends. Um, mostly, is the answer is going to be no. And I hate to give a definitive answer across the board because some people 
will be like, oh, well, I'm, I pull out more, a higher percentage of that, and, and it's still fine. So, But the general consensus is the 4% rule really started, uh, I think it was around early to mid-90s, where it was like, hey, you know, whatever your nest egg is, take 4% out per year on that. You don't have to worry about running out of money. Well, like you said, the, the environment's different. Um, our our quote-unquote safe money, whether that's CDs, um, you know, treasury bonds, you name it, the ones that are more conservative, the, they don't pay a whole lot. The yield is, is very, very low. So if someone is getting very conservative with their money because they're scared of losing it from a volatility standpoint, they're not squeezing out as much yield in those safer investments. So that 4% rule um, is dwindling down. Uh, and there's a lot of experts out there who say it needs to be closer to 3%. Uh, now. So again, but a lot of that depends on, you know, do you have pensions coming in? What's your social security look like? Um, You know, what does your income needs look like? So, so many variables, but if we're going to paint a broad brush, I would say that 4% rule is is pretty stale. Uh, And so things need to be adjusted accordingly. But again, it's still possible depending on how you're structured and how, what your income needs are in your nest egg. So there's so many variables, but that general blanket 4% rule is definitely trending down because there's so many risks. Um, again, our safe money doesn't pay a whole lot. There's this sequence of returns risk, meaning if you're still taking the same amount of money out and the market is getting hammered uh, like it did for a little bit earlier this year, and you're still taking the same amount of money out, well, that's going to shorten the duration of or the length of your portfolio. Because if you're still taking out the same thing when the market's going down, that's bad news for your nest egg and for your portfolio. So if you can be more flexible with your spending, you know, have your have your needs met every single month, that fixed bucket of expenses that you're going to have, definitely have that checked off. But in leaner times when the market's down, if we can pull back a little bit on what we need to spend on a monthly basis, then that's really how your portfolio tends to last. And then when you have those 2019 years where the market is up a good bit more, okay, maybe carve off some of those profits and take a vacation or increase your lifestyle or whatever it may be. But being flexible is definitely the the main uh, consideration here when it comes to what that rule looks like when you do uh, withdraw money out. Okay. Don't lock yourself into one number there. Be flexible. That's right. Yeah. Right. Don't let that be the hard fact because I have so many people saying, well, I need $2.5 million. I'm like, well, why do you need $2.5 million? <laughs> well, 4% rule says this, 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 and I need this, this, this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, a lot more to think about than just that. Okay. Uh, the ten five three rule, I, I don't know um, how much people know this. It's pretty simple in terms of how it breaks down, but 10% return from stocks is what you should expect over time, 5% return from bonds, and a 3% return on cash. Now, I don't have to be a financial advisor to know that, especially the last one, 3% return on cash is outdated. (laughs) Yes, no doubt. It does not not take a uh, rocket scientist to figure that one out for sure. But um, I'll go back to the first number and you said it, you said over time, uh, a 10%. I don't think that's, I do not think that's far-fetched. I mean, again, us being, you know, Dave Ramsey advisors, people uh, like to, to criticize or poo-poo on what he talks about rates of return on the radio or his podcast. But, you know, he's looking at a 30, 40, 50 year track record of returns. And that's not the end all be all because again, Whatever happens in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen moving forward, but that's a long track record to look at. So 
we we do kind of look backwards because that's all we have. We can't look ahead from a um, stock picking perspective or what the market's going to do down the road because no one could predict 2020. Nobody did. Um, so the 10% rate of return, so I don't think that's far-fetched, but we you need to know what your standard deviation number is. If you're expecting a 10% rate of return, your standard deviation, that is uh, the term for how much risk you are taking on. So if we never took stat class, we don't know what standard deviation is. So the further we go from that return, the more volatility that we're going to experience. So if we're going to average 10%, we may earn 31% in a 2019 market, but we also you know, may lose... 45% in a 2008-2009 market. So we need to know how far that spectrum goes from a risk-reward standpoint. So I don't think 10% is far-fetched. 5% from a bond standpoint, I think that's stretching it uh, because bonds have their own set of risk. And some people think bonds are conservative and this safe money. Well, some are, some aren't. Uh, there's different grades of bonds, but when it comes to government issued, those are the only ones that are guaranteed because they're backed by the federal government. Well, those are terrible. I mean, the 10-year the treasuries are super low. The 30-year treasuries are super low. So, you know, that 5% rule is, is, is tough to get. And, and the further you try to reach for a return or a yield on a bond, the riskier the bond is. And then there's a whole nother set of risk with interest rates. So if interest rates go down, bond prices go up. If interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So think of a seesaw. They go, they're opposite of one another. And we've been in a really low interest rate environment for a long time. One day they'll have to go up. I'm not sure when. I don't think it'll be anytime soon, but then those bond prices are going to have to start going down. So that middle number, I question. Um, it's not as far-fetched as the third number of getting 3% on our cash. Um, but 3% on cash is non-existent. Uh, you just, on, on cash, whether it's a, even CD, five-year CD yields are like around one. So, you know, you're talking about triple the return on safe money. That's just not, that doesn't exist. And, and that reminds me of, I was cleaning up our house and I found an old CD advertisement for, this was back when I was playing minor league baseball. So I was, I found one of my paychecks, which was next to nothing, but it had a CD rate slip inside of the PNC, uh, envelope, PNC bank envelope. And <laughs> it had a five-year CD at six and a half percent. And this was wow. in the year 2001. I mean, people would <laughs> kill for that right now. Um, but they just don't, it doesn't exist. It's just the environment. So we have to turn the page and move on to something else. So the, the 10, five, three, the first number I got no problem with. Second number, eh, I got some pretty big question marks. And the third is a big old red X through that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like it would be pretty easy to invest in safe retirement if you could just follow that 10-5-3 rule. It just seems like, hey, what else? What could go wrong if that was the return you could expect on each one of those, right? I mean, I feel like you could balance out a portfolio. I mean, fairly well without a whole lot of help if it was that simple, but it's yeah, never I mean, that when, easy. Exactly. I mean, when bonds were, were kicking out six to 8% um, rates of return, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really not difficult. So going back to that, you know, 60, 40 portfolio, 60% in the market, 40% in fixed income or bonds. Yeah, that, that was pretty easy. Huh? Put it in that and you know, you sh it should last, but it's a, it's a very different world that we live in now. Yeah. Well, you mentioned bonds. We got into bonds quite a bit, but that's the third one on our list in terms of obsolete 
uh, planning ideas. And that's the idea that you can just move from stocks to bonds as you get older. And, and you know, it's going to eliminate a lot of your risk and, and maybe be a little bit safer investment for you. But why is that plan uh, maybe a little bit outdated? Yeah, I mean, that's a kind of a good lead in from the last question. But yeah, they're just the, the yields that uh, that that bonds are, are producing that people would a lot of times uh, live off of from an interest that it spends off just it doesn't it doesn't produce what it does uh, before and, and also too we're living so much longer that some people retire and they get really conservative with their money and it's almost like they get conservative too quickly and then continue to get more conservative over time now I'm not saying that is a bad strategy but there's a lot of experts out there you know experts who who are probably smarter than I am and do this research day in and day out but there's there's plenty of experts that say when you retire you should actually be in a pretty conservative portfolio and go the opposite way. I mean, people like scratch your head and go, wait a minute, what? You get conservative and then get more aggressive over time? Well, there's a lot of models that say you can you can do that. That's not the end all be all, but it, it's a conversation to have with a lot of people because where people's portfolio can really mess them up is those first two, three years of retirement. And if, if you have a bad couple years, it's called sequence of returns risk, which I mentioned before. If you have a bad sequence of returns those first few years, it's like kind of chopping one of your legs out from underneath you from the get-go. And then you're playing catch up the whole time, which is a dangerous thing to do in retirement when you have no income coming in anymore. So there's different schools of thought that have kind of flipped that on its head and say, no, no, get conservative. And then about one or 2% each year, get more aggressive as you move through your, your age. Um, so again, it's kind of like, whoa, that's just very different stuff. But again, we're in a very different environment. So sometimes those old school uh, ways of thought just don't, don't apply anymore. And then when, when our safe money doesn't produce income that we need, then we start chasing uh, dividends from individual stocks. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. You know, people are trying to get these high yields or high dividend payouts from stocks. Well, that may be the case. They may produce a, a decent dividend yield, but then you have price fluctuation. Like that stock goes up and, and goes down. So if we're chasing yields, and you can easily do a Google search or whatever search, and then asking for highest yields, oh man, it'll it'll show you some unbelievable yields. But it's also not taking into consideration you could lose your principal value as well. So there's a lot of things to consider when you're trying to move from stocks to bonds as you get older. So that may not be that may not be the uh, the rule anymore. Very similar to the first two that we mentioned. Yeah, and even dividends aren't guaranteed. I mean, look at this year. Many many Absolutely. companies have gotten rid of them this year. So anything you were depending on there is, is completely gone. So great yes. point. That's an excellent point. That because that's an easy thing they can cut out from an from right. a, a overhead expense from dividend cutouts to 401k matches. I mean, you name it, there's a lot of things they're cutting. Well, when you talk about old school uh, way of thinking, you know, there, for the longest time, I think many people just kind of targeted like that million dollars. If I can get to a million dollars, I'm going to be ready for retirement. That's just the magic number. And you know, a lot of that wasn't based on any kind of planning or anything. It was just, hey, that that's a lot of money and that's going to take care of me. But you know, that that's a pretty outdated way of thinking because I mean, not only is it just, hey, you know, maybe you don't need that much, maybe you need more, but also what other revenue do you have coming in besides that million dollars you have saved? All that adds up into determining what exactly you need. Yeah. I mean, it's, you hit the nail on the head there. It's, you know, a million, being a millionaire is always kind of be, has been the target, if you will, but yeah, without an actual um, kind of number being, being put to that. But yeah, it does. It, it depends on 
what income you have coming in. Uh, it depends if you have a pension. It depends if you're um, you and your spouse, if you're married, uh, both have a social security income uh, coming in because I've seen uh, a husband wife combination who have very good social security benefits and that's all they need. I mean, depending on what you made over your lifespan into social security and depending on when you claim, I've seen plenty of couples, they have $7,000 coming in every single month from social security because they waited as long as they could. They made decent income while they were working. So both of them have a $3,500 check coming in every single month from social security. And that's not chump change. I mean, that's a good income per month and they don't need a much above and beyond that. So someone saying they need a million dollars, I've seen people retire on a whole lot less that have other streams of income, like you just said, whether it's a pension, whether it's social security, whether it's rental real estate uh, or passive income coming in, there's just so many pieces to the puzzle to take into consideration. But you know, that million dollars, it, it could be, you know, what you need, but also it could be a whole lot more. A lot just depends on lifestyle and how you spend your money. So it's all about income in retirement. It's not about your nest egg. It's about your income. Do you have the income coming in that you want to meet your lifestyle? And if you do, who cares what your nest egg is? Um, it's a very different mindset. Obviously, while we're working, all we think about is nest egg, nest egg, nest egg. What's my account totals? But once you turn that income switch off from your abilities to for working, it's all about income after that. Well, I'm glad you talked about income because that's that's what I want to close this conversation out with. The idea that maybe, you know, when you're trying to determine how much income you need, a lot of people, at least for the longest time, just thought, hey, I'm not going to need as much income in retirement as I need while I'm working. Yeah, that's, again, that's another depends, but most of the cases that I've seen, the income need is not drastically lower than when they were working. Uh, most people think, oh, I'm not going to do this, or I don't need this, or you know, I won't be spending as much gas or clothes or whatever it may be. But I kind of joke with my dad who's been retired for about 10 years. And, you know, he, he kind of jokes like, hey, is today Saturday? It could be like Tuesday. And he, he'll say, is it Saturday today? I mean, he just, <laughs> so it's an ongoing joke. Every day is Saturday in retirement. So if you want to go do something or you get bored or you may go, you know, create another hobby that's, you know, need to spend money and, and all of a sudden you're spending just as much as you were when you were you were working. So the general trend is maybe not quite as much, but some people think it's, you know, 70% of what they were making. And usually that is just not the case, especially in the early years of retirement, because we're, our, generally our health is still good. We want to travel, we want to do things. And so our expenses creep up there really quick. Look, these are all kind of outdated items. Not all of them will necessarily not apply to you, but for the most part, I think in general, a lot of these things you can not really depend on. But you know, the key is to work with somebody that can lay this out for you because they may work, they may not, but you want answers and you want to make sure your your retirement's lined up as it needs to be. And Ryan is a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. He coaches people up on their retirements all the time and can do that for you. So find him online at blackoakam.com. You can also find info on his upcoming seminars, workshops that he's got going on and, and, and be able to really get more information from him and, and learn more. It's a great resource and there's some great tools on the website there as well. As we close this out, I want to, I want to, you know, change the gears a little bit and have a little bit of fun as we close out the show and do a little getting to know you, Ryan, as we finish out this episode, what's a song that you have completely memorized? Oh gosh, that's probably quite a few songs and you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> uh, the good Lord bless me with a lot of abilities and singing is not definitely not one of them. So 
I only do that uh, in the car by myself, which I'm sure a lot of people are nodding their heads going, yep, that's me too. But as far as uh, songs, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a hard rock, kind of heavy metal guy. So anything Metallica uh, has, I guarantee I know just about every single word of every song that they have ever written. Um, nice. So it just depends. I mean, if I'm in the you know, slower tempo, Unforgiven is a, is a great song by Metallica. I got that memorized. But you know, if I'm feeling a little bit more aggressive or uh, uh, <laughs> it's been a stressful day, um, you know, Creeping Death is a good, that's kind of such a bad title, but <laughs> Creeping Death is another song that I know uh, very, very well. But uh, anyway, my kids kind of pick at me about the music that I listen to, whether it's Metallica or Korn or anything like that. I, I enjoy. My mom used to worry about me like, oh my gosh, what is my son listening to? But <laughs> it's it's just music to me and I enjoy it. Did, uh, did you come out to a Metallica song when you were pitching? I did actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny you asked that. So yeah, when I would come out of the bullpen, like when I was closing uh, my last couple of years, I was a, used as a closer. And so yeah, it's a Metallica song for whom the bell tolls. Um, nice. So that's what I that's what I um, kind of trotted in from the bullpen. Uh, the first couple of times I, I came out, they, um, gosh, what was the Sweet Home Alabama is what they played. Oh, really? You're an Alabama guy, but I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That is not what I picked. Let's change and this up. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sick of this song because I've heard it everywhere. And so anyway, yeah. I finally got it changed to, to the one that I wanted. Very nice. Well, that's cool. Well, let's close it out on that. No, Ryan, a good episode. I think some good information on in terms of some obsolete ideas. And hopefully people will kind of think through those if they've heard them before or maybe have based some of their retirement ideas on on following some of these, maybe they'll reach out to you or whoever that financial professional is close to them and, and start talking through some of these things and get them worked out. I think that's the key. But remember, you can find everything online at blackoakam.com, including this podcast, past episodes are archived there as well. So we've gone through a lot of conversations about financial planning, retirement, and, and you can go back through those and listen to them as you would like, but also subscribe to the podcast as well. We'd appreciate that. So Ryan, appreciate the time today, man. Enjoyed it. Yeah, good episode. I appreciate it. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.